It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. Coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero. It's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Blah, 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 blah. Whenever you're listening, whenever you're watching, what's up, man? Hope you had a uh, happy 4th of July. Hope uh, you got all your fingers and toes. You didn't blow your hands off or nothing like that. Hope everybody was uh, safe and uh, chew down a couple of hot dogs. Not like... The Nathan's hot dog contest on Coney Island. I, I was watching it yesterday. Guy eats what? I think 72. 72 hot dogs. 72. I mean, I, you know, I, I get, I brag if I can throw down four or five, you know, and, and halfway along the line, I stop eating the buns. These are 72 with buns and everything. Oh, my God. Uh, the tidy bowl, tidy bowl man. He's going to have to be working overtime uh, the next morning after that. But uh, today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out his website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give my man a call, 912-268-2328. 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simons to get a decent slice of pizza. and It's worth the trip for me. Check it out. Today's show is also being brought to us uh, in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Man on a Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. Check it out. Find out why uh, we got a five-star rating across the board and uh, find out why uh, I'm trying to change the way history uh, is written. Now, don't get me wrong. Tom Molino is a, 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 an important part of uh, boxing history and American history and black American history, but they're not giving him the credit that he's due. They didn't give him the credit that he was due when he was alive, and they're certainly not giving it to him today. Find out why I'm so adamant about uh, getting Tom Molino the credit that he deserves. You're going to love the book. You can get a copy uh, by visiting barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Or if you see me, I never leave home without them. I got plenty of copies. Oh, you're looking for a signed copy? Visit our website, www.billycboxing.com, and click on the book. You can't miss it. Um, Coming up uh, a little bit later, we got our blast from the past. This week, it's uh, former World Heavyweight Champion and Boxing Hall of Famer James Braddock. You might know him uh, as the Cinderella Man. Uh, we'll be talking about him. Another uh, request from you, if you guys have a request uh, for a uh, a blast, all you got to do is drop me an email, Billy at Talking 
Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. You can also drop me an email um, to uh, get your thoughts and comments or questions uh, read on air. Like we got a bunch of emails to read in a little bit. But today, oh, and we got uh, Boxing Hall of Famer Larry Hazard scheduled to join us too. Uh, today, uh, you know, we still got aftermath of uh, the Manny Pacquiao-Jeff uh, Horn fight and ultimately uh, Manny Pacquiao losing the fight. And, uh, you know, I've been talking about it since the fight happened, and uh, people uh, are still uh, communicating with it, uh, about it. And, uh, you know, the bottom line is this. Nobody loves or loved or still loves Manny Pacquiao more than me. I, I think that Manny Pacquiao was an extremely talented uh, fighter. I think he was the best of his generation. I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and I think he's an all-time great. I also believe that on my all-time great list, uh, he will fall in uh, somewhere in the top 25 uh, for sure. And as a matter of fact, not that I want to even talk uh, about Floyd Mayweather, because uh, I, I don't think he's relevant to the to the sport of boxing today, especially with the uh, circus that uh, uh, he's uh, setting up uh, uh, with his fight with Conor McGregor. I honestly feel, on my all-time great list, despite losing to Floyd, and despite Floyd's success with uh, being undefeated and making all the boatloads of money he's made, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that Manny Pacquiao will actually be higher on my personal all-time great list when it's all said and done than Floyd. And the reason I say that is because the level of excitement that that uh, Manny Pacquiao brought and still brings to the sport of boxing and the excitement he brought inside the ring and the challenges that he uh, challenged himself and overcame uh, you know, all those weight divisions, et cetera, et cetera. But with that said, Manny Pacquiao's not the same fighter. Manny Pacquiao has nothing left to prove, and Manny Pacquiao has to look in the mirror right now and say, it's time to hang him up. It's time to hang him up. Manny Pacquiao has been there, done that. He's got nothing left to prove. There's no reason why Manny Pacquiao has to tarnish his uh, uh, career by becoming the proverbial gatekeeper, and that is what he's on his way of doing. Joining me right now uh, is uh, uh, my partner in crime, Sal Rocky Senecola. Sal, what's your thoughts, man? I mean, uh, it's time for Pacquiao to hang him up, right, brother? Well, I'll tell you, Billy, we talked about this, and I often said that uh, Manny Pacquiao's only and sole purpose for coming back to boxing was to challenge Floyd Mayweather for a rematch for the for welterweight championship of the world and to uh, disprove the naysayers that his shoulder was one of the reasons why he lost that fight. I may disagree, but the bottom line is he did not take that course. It was not not his immediate urgency or, or step for whatever reason uh, may be. And uh, I said the last thing and the worst thing he could do is stay around to be some fodder heavyweight, I mean, uh, some stepping stone for some young buck trying to make a name for himself. And uh, ultimately last week with his fight with Jeff Horn proved to be a similar scenario of what we did not want to see from Manny Pacquiao. Um, I was probably less impressed with Manny Pacquiao than I was more impressed with Jeff Horn uh, um, on some level. I think Jeff Horn is a good fighter. Uh, 
but Manny Pacquiao would have trouble. He's fighting over his weight class, I, I, I think, and, and I, I think he's 40 pounds something heavier than what he originally started fighting, and these guys are big guys, and these guys are dangerous young buck guys. I don't see him doing anything against a Keith Thurman. I don't see him doing anything against a Keith Kell Brook, and I don't see him doing anything against an Errol Spence, except losing all three. Uh, so with that being said, how is he going to notch himself back on the top? I do not know. And uh, for all intents and purposes, I think his political career ahead of him might be the mountains and the challenges he shouldn't pursue. Yeah, no, you're you're 100% right. And and the other part of, of this whole Manny Pacquiao thing is, you know, along with the losses come the excuses and the complaints. I, I mean, yeah. listen, I when we did our post fight, I I admit I I, I had Manny Pacquiao win in the fight. I had Manny Pacquiao beating Horn 115-113 uh, in, in, in what I call a close fight. But 115-113 score is a close fight. Boxing is subjective, especially close rounds. So, you know, for me to hear a score of 115-113 in favor of Horn, to me, is not a robbery. You know, just it's because Teddy Atlas, just because Teddy Atlas... You know, goes off and and you know wants to you know uh, string up all of the the judges and and corrupt 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 is all comes out of his mouth uh, because you know you know remember Teddy Atlas if 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 you don't agree with Teddy Atlas you're wrong there, there's no discussion or anything else you're wrong is according to Teddy Atlas and you know th that's a problem to, for me because even sure. though I say some things that people don't disagree that people uh, disagree with me on that doesn't mean I'm right. I might think I'm right, but if somebody handed me a, a, a great explanation of why I'm wrong, I'm willing to accept it, especially if they, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, give me the hand, hand me their case with, you know, intelligent reasons why I'm wrong. I, I'm fine with it. You know, I, I, I welcome it. Um, but uh, but, you know, to see uh, uh, to see this, I mean, I, you know, now it was uh, uh, reported yesterday that the Philippines uh, Game uh, Games and Amusement Board uh, is uh, asking the WBO to re uh, do a thorough review uh, of the fight, and not only the fight uh, itself, but the the scoring and the referee, wow. et cetera, et cetera. Wow. And then Manny Pacquiao says, "Oh, I I, I I support that, you know." And it's like, give me a break, you know. I, listen, the fight is over. You lost. You know, the one thing that I'm having a hard time with Manny Pacquiao yeah. is that he doesn't accept the losses. He did the same thing with Mayweather. You know, there's no way that he beat Floyd Mayweather in that fight. There's no way. Now, the Manny Pacquiao diehard fans, they swear, and they're coming back saying that he beat Mayweather. He did not beat Mayweather. It was a, he it never was a, beat a, no, no. It was an uneventful fight. It was a boring fight. And then right after it comes the excuse. You know, I, listen, 4.4 million people watched Manny Pacquiao fight Jeff Horn. And although most of them feel that Manny Pacquiao won, it was a close fight. It was a close fight. Now, does he have a rematch? He has a rematch clause. Many people on the inside say he's going to take it. Um, I, I don't know. I, you know, even if he wins, what, what, what happens? Sal, let's say he wins the fight. Let's say they have the rematch. Let's say it happens in the Philippines or uh, they might have it right back in Australia again. What does that prove? Does that give Manny Pacquiao a chance to retire with a W? Or is he going to say, oh, now I'm back. I, I want to go after Floyd. You know, the Floyd fight is dead in the water because he lost dead. the horn. Too late. Uh, right. Too it, late. It, 
He lost to Horn. One hundred percent right. Right. He lost. If he 100% beats Horn, right. if he it's beats, done. it's it, done. Right. If he beat Horn, maybe he could have had it. But that 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 opportunity went out the window, right? That's off the table. One hundred percent right. If he had beaten Horn, that would have been fuel for the fire to have a rematch, and even more so uh, to unify some of these titles. But the bottom line is. Like I said all along, there is no other reason why he should come back and make a case except for what he originally stated was to come back and rematch and have a fight with Floyd Mayweather. Didn't happen. And guess what? It's not going to happen now. And guess another thing? Nobody's going to want to see it. And it's done. Most people didn't want to see it anyway. The only fight Manny Pacquiao can come back or should come back for is to free fight Jeff Horn and see if he could retire with a win and with a belt. That's about it. Well, I, otherwise I, he should stay retired. Well, I tell you, you know, as far as Floyd is concerned, he's got nothing uh, to come back for. I mean, this joke of a fight yeah. that he's having against Conor McGregor is is a fallacy. It's it's a it's a con, just like uh, a lot of uh, his fights. But you know, Floyd Mayweather. I mean, if he really wanted to challenge himself, maybe he goes after because he hasn't demonstrated. Yeah, and listen. You could be the biggest Floyd Mayweather fan in the world, and if you don't want to admit that his skills have diminished too, then you know you're you're fooling yourself. But the truth of the matter is, is the only fights that I would be willing to even watch with Floyd um, would be for him to come back and challenge one of the the top guys like a Keith Thurman uh, or even uh, a Sean Porter, even a Kell Brook. I mean, any of the top guys, Errol Spence. You know, other than that, both of these guys you know, put a put a fork in them. They're done. You know, and I, you know the thing that bothers me the most is Manny Pacquiao has been complaining uh, time and time again, uh, making excuses. You know, people are uh, uh, wondering, oh, maybe it's you know, and I was critical of of Freddie Roach, but people said, oh, maybe it's time to change a trainer. Change a trainer? Yeah. Not yeah. at thirty eight years old. He should have made that change <laughs> five, six, seven, eight years ago. You know, it, there's not you can't as much as I thought that uh, Freddie was inept uh, to help in uh, Manny Pacquiao. It seems to me Manny's not listening to him anyway. Not that he can understand no. him, but the truth of the matter is, is he's not listening anyway. You know what I'm saying, Sal? Oh, 100 percent, Billy. You are 100 percent correct. You know, there there's comes a time he should have changed horses if he was going to oh, a long time ago. And uh, the bottom line is uh, Manny's his own man. And he's going to get in a rhythm. Sure, people are going to advise him and say, hey, you should do this, you should do that. But the bottom line is once he gets in heat and battle and the action, uh, he'll he'll probably just do what comes naturally. And that's the way he punch, throws punches and bunches from all angles. And uh, that's his style. And you can't take away from him because, you know what, it was very effective for him at the lighter weight classes, at the earlier years, and at the uh, – Certainly, the, 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 when the fire and the passion and the reflexes and the skill and the, some of the power was there. These things have diminished. I think they did not carry up with the weight classes. And I think that um, he's got to really assess and say, hey, I'm either going to just uh, enjoy life and go do other things and retire. Or I will come back for this one rematch with Jeff Horn. And if I come up short again, that's it. If I do not, I'll uh, I'll retire with my belt and uh, with gaining a win. That's it. That's all. That's all he has. Well, I in mean, fighting. I mean, in my uh, mind, in my, my opinion, opinion, in my opinion, uh, Manny Pacquiao, he's not the same fighter. Hasn't been the same fighter. Wasn't the same fighter for the last several years, three or four years. And um, I mean, his last knockout came, I believe, against Cotto, and that was in what 2009. So. 
Right. Um, you know, it's been a long time. His speed is gone. Uh, you know, you could even say some of his accuracy is gone. Um, and, and quite honestly, I think some of his desire is gone too. But I uh, think that's true. Yeah, and, and, and I'll tell you, you know, not only did Manny Pacquiao's performance, um, you know, not live up to what we expected, and Jeff Horn's, by all accounts, exceeded what we expected. I mean, I don't definitely think there was any. Definitely did. But, but what, what, what added to the negativity around this fight was Teddy Atlas. And we're going to take a short break right now. When I come back, I'm going to tell you some of the comments that, that he made and he's continuing to make and just putting more of a blemish uh, on, uh, on this fight and on Manny Pacquiao. I'll be back in two. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, don't forget about uh, checking us out on YouTube. Uh, our YouTube version of the show is uh, the TV version. That's right. We want to give a shout out to all of our uh, TV viewers. And we'd love to hear from you when you drop us an email. Uh, tell us uh, where you're watching or listening, whether it's uh, online or on a television network and all that happy stuff. Want to check out the YouTube version? If you're watching online, just go to youtube.com slash talkin, T-A-L-K-I-N, boxing, B-O-X-I-N-G. I'm here with my man, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. And uh, Sal, you know, I, I've been talking about, um, you know, obviously today uh, my main thing, and we'll, we'll have uh, Larry Hazard come on a little bit later, give us his thoughts on, on the fight itself, but... Manny Pacquiao has nothing left to prove. He's not the same fighter. It's time to hang him up. I mean, that's my my uh, you know opinion about Manny, and, sure. and I'm a fan of Manny. But I know you, you know I, Jeff Me Horn. Too. I mean, Jeff Horn deserves all the credit in the world uh, for yes, uh, you know showing the heart, determination, sticking to his game plan, uh, and and winning the fight on uh, at least the judges' scorecards. But during the broadcast on ESPN. Teddy Atlas there, and as is the case with Teddy Atlas, he was, you know, screaming and yelling, corrupt, corrupt, corrupt. I mean, e even with the Conlon fight, he's saying, oh, uh, they, they, you know, this guy's got to step it up. I mean, it's the guy's third pro fight, and he wants him to fight, you know, uh, you know, Muhammad Ali already. You know, his fighters don't have to do that, but, you know. But he, uh, he you know, when he was talking with Jeff Horn, um, you know, I, this uh, Teddy Atlas was was very vocal during the broadcast. He says they gave a trophy, a win, a huge win to Jeff Horn. They gave it to him, the local kid, for just trying hard. You're not supposed to get it for trying hard. You're supposed to get the trophy, meaning the belt, uh, for winning. Uh, when he talked to Jeff Horn, he said to Jeff Horn, "Congratulations, it was a great effort, but I thought you lost." He says, uh, uh, you know, he, he says, um, everyone has a right uh, to their opinion. I thought you lost. Um, now, as far as uh, 
you know, he says, uh, uh, you know, the timing of, of opinions uh, can be off sometimes, um, but uh, it is what it is. And as far as Jeff Horn, he says, I thought that his timing was off. He was trying to ruin the moment for me. It would have been good for him to give his thoughts uh, another time. He says, uh, you know, people are entitled to their own opinions, but uh, but Teddy uh, shouldn't have said it at that moment. I agree with Jeff Horn, Sal. Um, you know, Teddy Atlas, you know, he said it all to the listener base, and he could be very honest in saying I, to Jeff Horn, I thought you lost, but was it appropriate to say it then? I mean, it's not, it's the same thing that happened to Timothy Bradley. When everybody gave Timothy Bradley the win over Manny Pacquiao, the masses thought that Pacquiao won the fight, and everyone, you know, went after Timothy Bradley. He didn't score the cards. Jeff Horn didn't score the cards. You know, I, when does a, a guy like Teddy Atlas just got to shut the F up? Well, and I think you were 100% right again, Bill. It was very inappropriate, I believe, for him to say that immediately as, as his first sentence coming out of his mouth that he thought he lost that fight. I don't think I, I think there could have been a, a time and a place after the fight, but this was a congrat, congratulatory kind of interview and post fight. And uh, uh, sure, he could have uh, said, "Hey, it was a good fought fight. You rose to the occasion." Uh, and to Jeff Horn's credit, because I I saw that and I couldn't believe that Teddy Atlas said, "Ah, you know, I think you lost the fight." Jeff Horn said, "He says." Well, I, I, I respect you, Teddy, and uh, you're due to your opinion. And uh, he, he said, uh, I respect you very much, uh, but, you, but you're wrong. <laughs> you know, I'm telling you, Jeff Warren was a gentleman. He was shot. He was, he was probably stunned by that punch more than whatever hit punch uh, caught him from Manny Pacquiao. Well, it was a classless statement, Sal. It was a classless statement. You're absolutely right. And I, I think Teddy, uh, Teddy should uh, maybe apologize to that uh, for that uh, statement you know, and we, uh, refrain himself in the future for doing things like that. We were all critical. Right after the fight. We were all critical of Stephen A. Smith, too, because yes. the, the thing about Stephen A. Smith is, let's face it. You know, I, whether you like him or not, the guy doesn't know crap about boxing. You know, like I said the other day, you know, he doesn't know a left hook from a fish hook. He doesn't know who Randall Bailey was. He doesn't know, you know, I, a lot of us didn't know too much about Jeff Horn, but uh, Ali Finica and Randall Bailey, two names on Jeff Horn's uh, resume, are known by, you know, even marginal uh, boxing fans. You know, uh, they know who those guys are, especially Randall Bailey, uh, uh, you know, a world champion, a former world champion not too long ago. And, you know, uh, Stephen A. Smith dismisses them, saying that nobody's ever heard of them, those two, in addition to Jeff Horn. Then he was kind of mirroring everything that Teddy said when they went back to the studio. You know, so Stephen oh, A. Yes. Smith, yes, yeah, Stephen A. <laughs> Smith ruined the broadcast to that sense. Now, you know, listen, Teddy Atlas is Teddy Atlas. He's constantly done the same stuff. Everything's a robbery when they don't agree with him. You know, everything is wrong when you don't agree with him. You know, and personally, and I'm not suggesting that Teddy Atlas doesn't know the sport because he definitely does, but I think ESPN needs to kick him to the curb. He's, You know, here he is, ESPN seems to be making a, a pretty aggressive move in the sport of boxing, and they're taking Teddy along with them. Um, you know, Teddy, I, I've heard him when, when they had open scoring on, on TV, I heard him saying, ah, the, the fans are watching, they're not agreeing with me, they don't know what they're watching. You know, it's like, come on, Teddy. You know, it's a joke, don't you think? 
I do agree with you, Bill. I think uh, you know he's got a very he he should put a little governor on his uh, on his delivery of some of the words that leave his mouth, and uh, uh, you know it's just not professional broadcasting. You know, you 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 do what you can do, and I I, I welcome his opinion, and I do like to hear it. But uh, there's a time and a place. The fact is simple: Manny Pacquiao did not live up to expectations, no. even for a fighter that's starting to age. Whether you felt he won or whether you felt he lost, the bottom line is it was a close fight. I think the end result is simple. You know, um, Manny Pacquiao needs to hang him up. It's over. It's not the same Manny Pacquiao. I said it last week. Nobody has beaten Father Time. The Father Time fighter is undefeated, and he will always be undefeated, and he <laughs> surpassed 50-0 and many, many years ago, and nobody will ever beat him. You know, it's the smart fighters that know when to say when. I was never a big Lennox Lewis fan, but guess what? He retired when he knew he was done. He never looked back. He retired as a champion, and no one will ever take that away. The biggest asset you can take with you in the sport of boxing, or any sport for that matter, is to retire at the top. And that means retire with a title. Uh, Peyton Manning did it with the Broncos. He retired, although he was contemplating coming back. He knew that he wasn't the same quarterback, and he retired with a Super Bowl win. How much better can you go out of, of a sport than at the top of your game? Manny Pacquiao could have went out by retiring after the win over Jesse Vargas when he won the WBO title. Now, like you suggest, Sal, it's like he's kind of forced into fighting Jeff Horn again to beat him to win his title back and then retire because if he continues after that, we're going to see the same crap. Absolutely, and Bill, I'll 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 take a bet right now, Bill. I don't believe he's going to beat Jeff Horn in a rematch. I think Jeff Horn will uh, come back even stronger and more assertive and a little bit more deliberate. And I don't think there's much more that Manny could do to offset uh, those those uh, those barrages of the barrage of punches and his aggressive uh, uh, stalking. Uh, I, I think that Manny. Uh, is going to possibly make that comeback, but I don't think we should expect different results at the end of the day. Well, the only thing that we can say and assume, and you know what they say about assuming, I but if Manny, <laughs> if Manny Pacquiao did not train as hard as he claimed he did and as hard as Freddie Roach claimed he did, and he trained like most people were saying that he did, and like how he showed in, in press conferences just taking Jeff Horn so lightly you know, didn't do the work, didn't put in the work. If now on, on you know, Sunday morning he wakes up and realizes he lost a fight and as a result maybe, he, you know, he got out of this fight what he put into it or, you know, <laughs> didn't get out of this fight because he didn't put into it is my point. And maybe he says, well, you know, if I do train even at 38 years old, I should be able to beat a Jeff Horn. You know, and that could be the only way that he comes out with a W. But you're right. You know, once a fighter reaches a, a certain age, they're not getting any better. You know, um, he does know the tricks. He does know uh, he's got the experience. His legs have failed him. His hand speed was c clearly not the same. Um, you know, a, a, a Manny Pacquiao of a few years ago would have would have hit Jeff Horn three, four, five times and been out of harm's way before Jeff Horn even landed one punch. And uh, Manny was getting hit. You know, I punch stats are, you know, remember, they're subjective too. But, uh, Sal, just uh, real quick uh, to get it out of the way, 
Uh, I'm not going to get into the emails. We've got a bunch of emails that we are going to uh, read a little bit later. But uh, Major League Baseball yesterday for the 4th of July, uh, the Nationals beat the Mets 11-4. to The Blue Jays over the Yankees 4-1. to Tigers over the Giants 5-3. to The Twins beat the Angels 5-4. Marlins over the Cardinals 5-2. to the Rays over the Cubs, 6-5. to The Pirates shut out Philadelphia Phillies, 3 to nothing. The A's over the White Sox, 7-6. The Brewers over the Orioles, 6-2. Royals over the Mariners, 7-3. Padres beat the Indians, 1-0. And by the way, the Padres uh, were a plus 200 underdog. So if you bet the Padres wow. and you bet 100 bucks, you won 200 uh, for that win. So uh, congratulations on, on that. Astros continue to dominate Major League Baseball, 16-4 win over the Braves. Red Sox beat the Rangers 11-4. The Reds over the Rockies 8-1. And uh, my second favorite team, so I'm going to start calling them my Dodgers, beat the Diamondbacks 4-3. Uh, can't uh, handle the Mets anymore, Sal. But uh, 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 anyway, um, Manny Pacquiao, uh, done as far as I'm concerned. And uh, uh, I don't, in my opinion, I think that he doesn't even need to to prove that he's still got it. I, I think it's time to just hang him up, you know. But uh, uh, that it is what it is. But uh, it's unfortunate. It is what it is. It's unfortunate that the excuses are uh, really piling up, and and now uh, the Philippines, uh, uh, you know, organizations going after the WBA. Uh, it's it's just it's disgusting. It, it reminds me of the. Uh... Uh, hanging Chad. Let's talk about it. Well, the the, um, wor the worst thing is is that it continues on. But listen, I got to take a break, Sal. Hold that thought because we're going to come back and uh, continue that. Uh, we are going to get Larry Hazard on. We got the blast from the past, and we'll come back to you. So fill up all that coffee that you like to drink, and uh, we'll be uh, we'll be seeing you in a little bit, my man. All right, buddy. You take care. We'll talk every in a while. That's Bye -bye. Sal Rocky Santacola. And uh, he will uh, be back uh, in uh, a bit. We got some other stuff going on. I'm going to take a break. Larry Hazard is up next. Billy C will be right back. Have you heard? Proactive Plus is faster and better than ever. Stay tuned for a million bottle giveaway, and you'll also receive free shipping. Do you have troubled skin? Acne? Well, we have great news. With Proactive Plus, your acne can heal, and you can help prevent new breakouts from happening. Don't miss this limited time offer. Give us a call at 800-567-0214 because we're going to let a million people try Proactive Plus risk-free and get two free gifts and also receive free shipping when you call right now. You heard it. This offer won't last long. So call Proactive Plus now and you'll receive a 60-day risk-free trial of Proactive Plus, two free extras, and free shipping. Call 800-567-0214. This is our exclusive radio offer, never on TV. Get your risk-free 60-day trial of Proactive Plus with free shipping. That's right, free shipping. Don't wait. Call 800-567-0214. That's 800-567-0214. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, uh, we're uh, talking about uh, 
Manny Pacquiao, uh, should he hang him up? I mean, uh, he's not the same fighter. And uh, joining us right now, uh, I believe, is uh, my man uh, Larry Hazard. What's up, Larry? Hey, what's up, Billy? I didn't know if I, I didn't know All if right. we had you. It was showing uh, that we didn't have you on there, but uh, I'm glad you're uh, with us. I hope you had a uh, a happy Fourth of July and didn't blow your hands off or anything with fireworks or anything like that. But uh, uh, Manny Pacquiao, Jeff Horn. Uh, first and foremost, let, let me ask you this, Larry. What did you think of the fight? I mean, what was your assessment of the fight itself, uh, the scoring, the referee? And I mean, uh, give me your the whole rundown on uh, what you thought. Well, I, I uh, well, happy, happy Fourth of July to you also. But, um, I thought that it was an entertaining fight. Certainly, uh, Manny Pacquiao. Is not the same fighter that he once was. I thought that the scoring was was really off. I thought Pacquiao won the fight, uh, not by a whole lot, but I think he did win the fight. But I think that the judges scored it the other way because Horn was very aggressive. You know, he um, he obviously was in very good condition to keep up that pace. Uh, and they, they more or less gave him... <clears throat> a lot of times what happens in a situation like this, they go into the fight not expecting a guy to do as well as he did. And so I'm kind of like Teddy Atlas on that one point. That I think they kind of scored it for him because he did so well or because he tried so hard. And... Um, you know, I just thought that the scoring was really, really for it to be unanimous, too. Especially the one score, I think it was the girl, the young lady. She had a very wide margin, which I don't, I don't understand. You know how she got that. Uh, I'm curious as to how she ended up with a score like that. But I thought, I thought the fight was entertaining. Um, you'll probably see a rematch. I'm sure um, there are enough people hungry for a rematch uh, that that Bob Arum, if you notice, he didn't complain. He got both fighters. Even before the fight, he was pumping horn, which I found kind of odd. But now, um, being that he's not complaining that much about the decision, he's probably got a, a rematch in mind. I don't know why people want to see it again, because I think that at this point, we've seen enough of Pacquiao. He's not the same fighter that he was before. Not that he has to be. You know, um, fighters lose a little bit in every fight. But, I mean, he's been around a long time, and he's clearly, in my opinion, not at the level where he could be uh, as competitive as he has been against the top-notch fighters. So that's that's pretty much it for from uh, the way I saw it. Well, let let me let me say this: I agree with you a hundred percent. The fight was extremely entertaining, and and that's what we usually get uh, with Manny Pacquiao. And and I give the guy credit. And I also agree, even though I, I was very uh, 
anti the way Teddy Atlas acted, uh, not only during the broadcast but post-fight. But I do agree with you and Teddy that I feel that uh, they were scoring rounds for... um, for Jeff Horn because he was making such a, a, a you know, an effort and, and showing and proving all of us wrong, um, you know, and, and I do believe on some of those close rounds he, he got the nod. But the close rounds is the key, Larry, because I scored the fight 115-113 in favor of Manny Pacquiao. 115-113 is not a robbery. That's, that's a close fight. And some of those rounds could have been because the the way the scoring system is and because of the positioning of a judge could have gone the other way. <laughs> Therefore, 115-113, the two scorecards were okay. I mean, you're not going to you can't cry like Teddy Atlas did and say it was a robbery when you're talking about a difference of one round, okay? A a, a decision of one round difference. Um the I also agree with you that the third judge that scored at 117-111 was way out there. Now, when they said all three judges scored it for the winner, I was expecting Manny Pacquiao's name to be announced. When they said Jeff Horn, I was shocked. And, you know, it brings us back to what you and I talk about time and time again about the judges and the order in which they're scoring fights. You know, I throw the punch stats out because it's subjective, although I did discuss them as a conversation piece, and that's they're all subjective. You know, the, the, none of us, I wasn't ringside. I didn't see if punches landed. But during the fight and listening to Teddy saying how it's, uh, you know, oh, Pacquiao looks great. Oh, he's landing. It's just classic Pacquiao. I'm watching, and I'm saying to myself, this are, are they watching the same fight I'm watching? Because I'm seeing Pacquiao get tagged i'm seeing pacquiao look extremely slow i'm seeing pacquiao doing things that he shouldn't be doing and oh by the way i didn't see any instruction from freddie roach i mean you know people are saying uh, oh manny's got to get a new trainer manny's got to hang him up i think it's over for manny i you know he's he's done a lot for the sport we loved him he's exciting it's time to go right i mean what else can we say you, you, and, and you stole you stole my next point. Again, I was getting just, I couldn't wait for you to finish. <laughs> the great Freddie Roach, okay? I didn't hear anything from him, okay? And that may be because, you know, he obviously thought that Pacquiao was that, that much in control of the fight. Well, how can you? And, and I really, I really, I really, um, I really hope that it's not going to be a regular situation. This Stephen A. Smith guy, don't tell me they're bringing in another one. I mean, this guy, I cannot take. <laughs> I couldn't take him even before he came to boxing because, um, you know, he's a he's just a loud mouth. He's he's just he. I think he thinks that he's. Uh, the second coming of Howard Cosell, even though Howard Cosell at least was very, very knowledgeable of, in my opinion, of of boxing and and in general. That's just the way Howard Cosell was. And Howard, but this guy, and, 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 you know, I've seen him in combination 
with that other loudmouth guy of Kellerman from um, HBO. I've seen them doing other sports, which I turn I turn right away from them. But I saw I see that they are a combination in other uh, broadcasts outside of boxing. I don't know if you've ever seen them, but hey, listen, people can complain all they want about Teddy Atlas, okay? Because Teddy is Teddy. And I give him a pass mainly because he is a part of the fraternity. He's been around, you know, and he does have a boxing background. But this guy, I'm saying they're adding this Stephen A. Smith, and they kept going back and forth to him. For what? Okay, he doesn't know anything about boxing. The only thing that he knows is Floyd Money Mayweather, and he runs his, in his big mouth like he's putting on a show. You know, and I, I just can't take it, man. If they keep this up, I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch these telecasts when they have these guys on. I'm sorry. Well, listen, we're even because you took the words right out of my mouth about uh, Stephen A. He doesn't know anything about boxing. He, he you know, it, it's a joke, and, and it's sad that ESPN is even putting him in the studio. You know, uh, there's no reason to go back to the studio. They bring nothing to it. He was repeating what Teddy Atlas was saying, and it ruined the broadcast. And you're 100% correct. The only thing he knows about boxing is Floyd Mayweather. And he's buddies with Floyd, et cetera, et cetera. Doesn't follow the sport, at least. And and when you hear a, a guy um, like him that's that doesn't even do any research about the fights that or fighters that he's watching... I mean, Al Bernstein, who you can never get to say anything negative about anybody, was all over Stephen A. Smith, saying that he, you know, he doesn't know who Randall Bailey is. He doesn't know Ali, who Ali Fanica is, saying he's never heard of these guys. You know, I mean, you can't do that. ESPN has got a good thing going here, Larry, with uh, with the free broadcast, these big fights. They got to tweak it, and and you know, not. And I know, I know, Teddy Atlas knows a lot about boxing. There's there's no question. But he's not helping the broadcast either by yelling and screaming. And, 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 you know, Timothy Bradley, I love him. I think he's a pound-for-pound pound fighter. But he's saying, this fighter, we're in here. We are in Argentina. And they're like, uh, hey, Timothy, uh, we're in Australia, not Argentina, you know. So, I mean, you know, these guys got to be educated a little bit before they go on air, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Teddy has a personality that he overshadows the other guys. And he doesn't give them... You know, the boxing even see I, I I'm I'm the type of guy like this. I give I give even a fighter, okay, and it's a personal thing I guess. I give them a little bit of a pass on a lot of things on there because they are the real warriors. Those are the guys who've been in there. So I think that the networks should spend some time polishing them up. You know, even a Bernard Hopkins, I watched him. Um, doing a telecast with Teddy. And Teddy has a tendency of imposing his thoughts over everybody else. And everybody else just backs down. Um, I remember one guy, and, and I used to watch these guys come and go on HBO, and I thought it was for this reason, because they were a little bit too aggressive for uh, merchants. Larry Merchant was another guy who always sort of like, but but he was very articulate. Not he's, he's had a different style than Teddy, 
But he was also sort of like a guy that it's my thoughts or no thoughts uh, in the end. And George Foreman used to really back him down a lot. And I used to love watching it. But George didn't last too long on HBO, you know. Right. Manny Stewart, okay, he was a very low-key type of guy, but he had his own way of still pressing his point. Roy Jones, of course. See, Roy is a different type of personality who has a way of pushing this guy Kellerman to the back and telling him in a nice way, hey, I've been in there, so you can shut your mouth because my thought is going to be the last thought. You know, so this is what they do. And um, like I said, he and I agree with you here that ESPN has a great thing going now, and I think that they should take a little more time pushing up the Timothy Bradleys and some of these other guys that they intend to bring on who are guys who have actually been in the war. You know, and I think they would do a great service to the boxing fans and to those uh, those guys that they bring on. That's what I like to see. Well, you're you're, you're hitting on the head with Atlas. T- Teddy Teddy is he's right, and everybody else is wrong. If you don't agree with him, you're wrong. And and, and although even even take you and I for example, we don't always we we happen to agree on a lot of things, but we don't always agree. And as long as you, if in my case, if, if you give me a, a reason why you disagree and present a case to me in an intelligent way, I'm open to it. I'm open to say, you know what? You're right, Larry. I was wrong. I don't have a problem with that. There's nothing wrong with saying, you know what? Maybe I wasn't looking at it right. You know, Teddy Atlas doesn't even entertain that. Every fight that he watches, if the scorecards aren't like his, and I don't think, I think he's got, I think they should just give him a coloring book and crayons because he doesn't know how to score fights. He may know boxing, but he doesn't know how to score fights. I decided to give it a 10-8 round. I, because I gave it a 10-7 round. I get, you know, it's like, what, it's Teddy, you know, I, what, why are you changing the scoring system? Then you blame everybody else for not having the same scorecard as you, you know. But, uh, hey, listen, did you happen to see, the Povetkin fight from Russia. No, what network was that on? Well, it it was on uh, it was on Eleven Sports. But Larry, you gotta go back and watch the first round of this fight. Now you know you know Alexander Povetkin, right? I mean, you know he's been yes, uh, yes, this yes. Is a, this this is a guy that that has tested positive for. Right, right, right. That's a whole other story. You know, he ruined he ruined this kid's career. You know, the guy was like a champion, and all of a sudden he had to re you know redo everything. And and when he signed him, he was fighting all these cupcakes, and now like, he's 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 broadcasting for that uh, Irish kid in his third pro fight, saying, "Oh, they got to step up the competition." I'm like, it's his third fight. I mean, come on, what are you talking about? Your guys get to fight slugs, and everybody else has to fight. You know, Evander Holyfield in their third fight. I mean, come on. But anyway, Alexander Povetkin, he's the guy that's tested positive for performance-enhancing drugs. He was supposed to fight Wilder a couple of times and all this stuff, right? They had this fight, Larry. The first round, it, it you. this is a classic. I don't even think you have witnessed this in your career, okay? This is what took place. In the fight, the first round, about a minute and a half goes by, 
and they're in an exchange, and Povetkin lands a punch on Rodenko and hits him, not a rabbit punch. It wasn't behind the head. It was kind of on the top of the neck area, you know, like the top of the spine, all right? And okay. um, and and uh, uh, Rodenko complains to the to the referee. Then all of a sudden, at, at, well, actually, before he complained, as he backed away, he did like you know how like if you crack your neck, you kind of you, you kind of crick your neck a little bit to the side. He yes. crack he cracks yes. his neck, and his neck sticks. It's like he he, he cracked his his neck, and it kind of like stuck, uh, and, and he's tilted to the left, and he's pointing behind his Ooh. neck. To the referee saying that the reason it's cracked and stuck to the left is the fact that he was hit with a legal illegal punch. The referee stops the action, uh, Larry. They start doing physical therapy on this guy. Now, this fight was in Russia. They got the corner. They got doctors. They got everything. They're massaging him. They're giving him water. They, they, they send uh, Povetkin to the neutral corner. I'm telling you, and I am not exaggerating, this had to be... For real. You know how you say, oh, it took 10 minutes, oh, this and that. And then you really, you know, it was two minutes. This had to be four minutes that they're working on this guy. You know, they're instructing him. He's got his corner. He's got the medical staff. They're massaging him. And finally, they're saying, well, you know, if you can't continue, because he never ruled it an illegal punch. And his neck is stuck to the side. Like, they can't snap it back. So it's straight. They finally... Continue the fight. They go, okay, time in, right? After all of this, oh. right? And 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 then the guy finishes the fight. He goes 12. This was the first round. He goes 12 rounds like that. I have never well, witnessed it, anything like that in my life. You know, now, granted, it took place in Russia. But what the heck? I mean, how can... Larry, please tell me, from a commission point of view, how much time and how, how deep of a degree do you give a fighter... In a situation like this, I mean, that's a TKO as far as I'm concerned. Well, if he didn't rule it an illegal punch, if he didn't rule it an illegal punch, and the guy couldn't continue right then and there, he wasn't even entitled to a timeout if he didn't rule it an illegal punch. And if he couldn't continue, then the fight's over. Right. He loses by a technical knockout. Okay? Exactly. Exactly. Now, if the referee ruled it an illegal punch and he seemed to have some difficulty, then, of course, he could have given him the customary, you know, up to, up to five minutes if he needed it, but no assistance right. from nobody. You're right. talking about their massaging his neck and giving him all kinds of, uh, you know, assistance. It was totally out of whack. So you are 100% right. If um, if it was not ruled illegal, then he should have lost the fight by a technical knockout. I'm surprised Povetkin's, um, you know, management and corner didn't complain about it. Well, the uh, the Rodenko, um, his corner, they were looking. They, I think they're. I don't speak Russian, so this was in Russia. But I, I think they were trying to get a DQ. You know, for an illegal punch, which it wasn't. I mean, you know, I got to see the replay a yeah. hundred times. It wasn't illegal. It was. It was more. Uh, you know, and it was the first one. I mean, you at least get a warning, even if it was. You know, if you look at it and say, "Well, it was. A, it was a little behind the head. It was below the head. It, it landed on the neck area." And uh, you know, I, I mean, but I, that's exactly what I thought. That 
you know, okay, if you're going to say he got an injury similar to an unintentional low blow, you got up to five minutes to recover, try and straighten out your neck on your own. But, but I mean, this guy was getting physical therapy in the corner. I mean, I've never witnessed anything like it in my life, you know. And then well, the, the sad part is, is Pavetkin can't even take him out of there. You know, he, he goes 12 rounds, you know, so of a one-sided beatdown, you know. So I... I've lost all respect for him and 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 the Russian and and the other thing that was strange, everything was red, the the ring mat was red, all the corners were red, and the way you could tell the corner was at the top of the uh uh, uh you know buckle turnbuckle um padding they had the color blue on one side and red on the other so I mean if, as a fighter. I mean, they, after every round, they were all looking around. Where's my corner? You know, you couldn't see. The, it, it was, it was absurd. You gotta, you gotta punch it up on YouTube. Povetkin against Rudenko, first round. Watch it, and then uh, let me know what um, you think because this is this is a classic. You're gonna record it and save it in your library. You're, you're gonna. It's a classic, my man. Well, I'm gonna go right there and take a look. But everything you said, it was in Russia, so. Maybe that's why everything was red. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could be right. You could be right there. You could be right there, my man. But uh, listen, I appreciate uh, the time as usual, and uh, uh, we'll look forward to you next week. I apologize. I haven't reached out to you uh, via email about our event that we're uh, uh, planning that I hope you can attend. But uh, look for an email from me uh, soon, okay? As soon as I catch up, uh, I'll get okay. that out there, and uh, hopefully uh, you'll have uh, some time uh, uh, to do that but uh listen enjoy the rest of the week definitely watch that drop me an email let me know what you think you'll you'll definitely get if you if you're having a bad day and you're looking for a laugh watch that first round because uh the rest okay. of the fight don't worry it's not worth it but that first round and the shenanigans that went on are classic brother okay billy all right buddy larry you have a good one brother you too all you right too, man. take care that's my man uh larry hazard uh, Boxing Hall of Famer and New Jersey uh, Athletic Commissioner. Hey, listen, if you guys haven't seen that, we, I know we talked about it earlier, and, and I hope Larry goes back and watches it because he is going to laugh his butt off. Um, it's it's funny, but it's not funny because, uh, you know, that kind of stuff just can't happen in the sport of boxing where they do that. Now, I understand that they were tr probably trying to, you know, give the fans, because if you watch this, and it was in Russia – this was being made as this big extravaganza, even though, you know, I love live boxing. I love watching live boxing, not only live myself, but watching, uh, you know, film of, of fights from Europe and stuff because the fans are so into it. The Russian fans, none of them stand up. I, I don't know if they're not allowed to stand up or anything. They cheer when they're supposed to. It's like everybody's on cue. They're all part of the broadcast. And I honestly believe that um, that's what the main part of the reason they wanted this fight to continue. They wanted to make sure that the fans got more than one round. That's my thought. But if you haven't watched it, punch it up. Uh, Rodenko against uh, Alexander Povetkin happened this past weekend. And uh, what a comical situation that was, in my opinion. I mean, they practically were, you know, they were. They were giving him water. I, I think they gave him a little oxygen. Uh, uh, I think they let him go use the men's room. Uh, and then he came back and they said, you know, time in. Now you can fight. It was, uh, uh, it was uh, comical to say the least. But uh, anyway, we are going to uh, take a short break here. And uh, we are going to uh, come back with uh, my man uh, Alex Propali. 
with uh, the blast from the past. But uh, let me uh, get one email out of the way real quick. Uh, this one's from my man Jesse. He says, hey, Billy C., I didn't score the fight, but just watching, uh, I thought Manny won at least seven rounds. I feared for Horn's life in the ninth and wanted the referee to stop the fight. The accumulation of punches by Manny from round two to nine showed uh, in that ninth round. Manny wasn't really hitting Horn with his killer combos, especially after the ninth, but Horn really got torched with clean shots throughout the fight. I didn't see Horn connect clean on Manny other than elbows and headbutts. I think Manny took it easy on Horn, especially after the ninth. I don't want Manny to retire yet, but after a rematch in Manny's homeland, let's see what happens. Uh, he says, I thought Easter won the fight and should fight Linares, Flanagan, or uh, Vergogo winner, or maybe uh, Mikey or Fortuna. He said, I didn't see the Julian Williams fight, but he should take on higher-level opposition like Liam Smith, Jack Colquet, Tony Harrison, or Justin DeLaroche. Um, I, you know, my thoughts on that and Easter is all of the Al Heyman fighters, uh, unless they're forced to, have really gotten a pass. As far as uh, the Horn fight with Manny, I've been very vocal about it. Um, yes, I give an A for effort for, uh, for, for Jeff Horn and his performance and his heart and his determination and conditioning. You can't n knock the guy for that. Uh, I felt Manny Pacquiao squeaked out the fight, but I don't care to see Manny again. Manny's career, as far as I'm concerned, is over. Uh, he's not the same Manny. There's no sense in him going from uh, the top, uh, arguably the best pound-for-pound -pound fighter of his generation, to a gatekeeper it's just it's not right he deserves better than that it's time for manny to look in the mirror say it's over hang him up say goodbye to freddie say goodbye to bob arum and uh continue with his uh, political career i'm going to take a short break when we come back alex papali will join us uh for the blast from the past this week james braddock the cinderella man we'll be back in two billy c will be right back part of the billy c boxing network Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening, hopefully in your right and left ear, to the Billy C. Show. Glad you guys could be with us today. Uh, just a little uh, shout out to uh, everyone in our chat room up on BillyCBoxing.com. Yeah, you know, it can be funny at times. And uh, uh, if you want to see what I'm talking about, go visit the chat room up on BillyCBoxing.com. But joining us right now, to give us the blast from the past this week, which is being sponsored by KOFantasyBoxing.com and the Title Bout Championship Computer Game. You can check out both up on our website, BillyCBoxing.com. Is my man, who's going to tell us all about the Cinderella man, Alex Perpali. What's up, Alex? Good morning, Billy C. Oh, wait a minute. I, I was expecting Alex Perpali, not a clean-shaven guy. Who is this guy? Yeah, yeah. Shaved. Jeez. facial hair the last couple of weeks. Jeez, you know, I, I, you don't look the same. You, I don't think I've seen you without uh, some kind of facial hair, have I? Yeah, I don't, you know, I think it's been a very, very long time. Uh, I think in 2009, I shaved for a little while. 
uh, after the movie. Um, but uh, yeah, I think pretty much steady from like uh, 92 or something, 93. I've had uh, a goatee at you know, least. You know, it's funny. Uh, I've had a mustache uh, since fourth grade, and uh, there's people, <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not kidding, I'm not even exaggerating, since fourth grade, right, I mean, I, you know, my wife never saw me with, without a mustache, you know, and people say, oh, why don't you shave it, I say, I'm, I'm a scared, I'm a scared to shave it, you know, my nose might look like Jimmy Durante after that, you know, I, all of a sudden, I'm like, you know, it's big enough as it is, I don't need to have it uh, any bigger, but uh, anyway, and, and uh, in case you guys want to drop me an email, I, I'll just keep my email uh, address hidden. You know, I won't I won't mention that, right, Alex? But uh, oh, and you crack me up with that. <laughs> you only tell it in the right. Yeah. Hand. <laughs> uh, anyway, people got to go in the chat room. We we have fun. I don't mean it personally. Chat room's fun. Yeah, I don't mean to. Uh, I'm just trying to be uh, whatever. But uh, James Braddock, the Cinderella man. Talk about. We definitely don't have enough time to talk about everything about this guy, right? Yeah, this guy, uh, you know, the people uh, know a lot about um, his uh, career because of the movie. Um, he, uh, he, of course, is, um, you know, the movie with, that Ron Howard director, uh, directed that uh, starred Russell Crowe and Renee Zellweger. Uh, you know, he did have one of the best um, comebacks, uh, comebacks and upset victories uh, in boxing history, so... Um, yeah, he's a, a guy that uh, you could talk a lot about. And the other thing that's pretty amazing about him, uh, just as an American story, is uh, he is somebody who pulled himself up by his bootstraps uh, and um, and sort of gave back to the society that helped him. And that's you know we we admire those kind of stories. He's uh, is about what's uh, the, what's best in all of us. You know the the thing that's really uh fan fantastic about uh, james braddock is um you know here's a guy that comes from poverty grows up in in uh you know a, a tough uh, neighborhood etc etc i don't think he sold newspapers but you could uh fill us in on that um but uh you know even during his boxing career he fell uh you know uh, you know down in the dumps again and you know, continue to fight through it. And, you know, it, normally you, when you hear the rags to riches uh, and then back to rags story so frequently in this sport, you hear them go from rags to riches and then most of them lose their money after they're done boxing. Well, here's a case with James Braddock where he goes from rags to not so much riches and then goes back to rags before he made some money. It really wasn't until the Lewis fight where he got that great deal where, you know, he finally was uh, was comfortable. But why don't we start at the beginning? Where and when was he born? Right. Uh, a great deal for him, but uh, kind of a screw job, if you ask me, for uh, poor Joe Lewis. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, the great uh, Jimmy Braddock, or James J. Braddock, he was uh, born in Hell's Kitchen, uh, New York. You know, uh, as usual, um, with these old guys, you get some confusion. Well, with... Um, I guess depending on who you ask, we got this issue with uh, with presidents too. Um, his birthday is, uh, according to one obituary, it said December 6, 1905, but I saw elsewhere it says June 7, 1905. So uh, whatever. Um, I think that might have been a reverse because six. It, it's either June 6th or July 6th. Or, it, you know what I mean? Because it could be, you know, like when you reverse it, 
because that is uh, constant. They they do switch back and forth either June seventh or July sixth. Really? Yeah. Huh. This well, this one, this obituary says December, December sixth. Oh, December sixth. Yeah. So I don't know. No, um, I have June. Yeah, uh, I have June seventh. Cyber boxing zone says June seventh. Yeah, I have June seventh on all mine. Hmm. Yeah. Weird. Um, yeah, maybe this was a mistake. You know, it was probably it was probably written. You know, it's written the day after he died, of course. Um, but uh, okay, so he uh, they, his family moved to a, a little town named West New York. I didn't know there was a town like that. It's actually in New Jersey, West New York, New Jersey, uh, and that's where he started boxing in that area. Uh, he debuted in West Hoboken, I guess, uh, and he was somebody who a lot of these guys. Uh, you know some of these these greats that we talk about, uh, like the Jack Dylan or Young Stribling, uh, they could punch punch higher than their weight. Uh, he started out at wealth at uh, middleweight. Uh, there's a great documentary uh, on the interwebs on the, on YouTube uh, that I'll link to in the little. Um, I'll, I'll do a post of him for on BillyCBoxing.com, and. Uh, uh, you got uh, some great people in it. That you got referee Joe Lipton and uh, Mike DeLisa. Uh, his his stuff. His comments are really good uh, in the um, in this video, and they talk about uh, you know how he he was he won Golden Gloves titles, uh, even the heavyweight Golden Glove title in 1925 and 1926 when he was only 162 or 163, right at, right along there. Uh, he was able to punch bigger than he was. Uh, and and you know take out these old bigger guys uh, and uh, larger men and uh, back then of course you didn't have monsters like we do today like an Anthony Joshua or Vlad Klitschko heavyweights were you know 185 pounds um, but uh, uh, he was kind of a journeyman you know he won lost uh, he he was hard to uh, knock out he definitely a good puncher he had a great right hand but unfortunately it broke a lot. Um, and uh, he um, had success as a light heavyweight um, and eventually fought uh, Tommy Loughran uh, in uh, 1929, who, you know, of course, was one of the greatest light heavyweights of all time. And uh, he dropped a 15-round decision to him. Tough fight. Uh, I think most of it is on YouTube. Um, but, yeah, you know, there he was in the world uh, championship picture. Well, you know, he, as a kid, he, he got into a lot of fights and he was in trouble. And, um, you know, somebody said to him at some point, uh, you know, hey, I wanted you to focus on becoming a professional fighter and, and told him he could actually get paid for it. And his skill set was better than people give him credit for. Um, you know, he was, you know, early in his career, yes, he had a, he had a weak hand uh, that would break a lot, his power punch. But he was fast. He had he had um, you know uncharacteristically fast hands, and he could counterpunch, which made him an exciting fighter. But early in his career, when he was when he showed some success, and you can actually look um, at his resume and see where he had those string of loss after loss after loss, and he contributes that you know later when when he talked about his career, he contributes that to not having the money to train and eat properly and, of course, pay trainers to help them. So I think it, it, it's not like it's a crock of crap because when you look at the black and white, um, you know, history of his resume, it all fits, you know, during that time where he was struggling uh, financially. I mean, 
as a kid, this was a guy that was, you know, worrying about starving to death, let alone, uh, you know, getting too much. I mean, this is no normal rags to riches. This was this was poverty with a capital P, Alex. Absolutely. And what's the uh, once the de de we're talking about the depression, uh, depression, New York City, uh, New Jersey area. And um, he uh, the family had nothing. And there was one great uh, line that uh, Mike DeLisa mentions in the uh, in that documentary where uh, after he beats Corn Griffin, which is his big shot uh, at um you know, he fights on the undercard of Max Bear versus Primo Carnera. And I wonder if this is in the movie. I've never seen the movie, but it's it's perfect line. It should be in the movie. Uh, after he beats Corn Griffin, I guess he ran to the uh, side of the ring where all the writers were. And he said, hey, I did that on hash. Get me a couple steaks and you'll see what I can do. <laughs> so you're right. I mean, he was, he was uh, you know, talk about bare bones. The family had very little. He had married his uh, high school sweetheart, May Fox. And they had three kids, two sons, uh, Howard, Jay, and they had a daughter, Rosemarie. And uh, you're right, they had very little. Um, and eventually he did go on public assistance uh, and signed up for, he was making $6.87 a week. That's what uh, welfare was at the time. Um, but this was, you know, he was close to making the, uh, this incredible comeback where he had had this fight with uh, Abe Feldman that I guess was horrible. They threw the two of them out of the ring. Um, before that, you know, he was doing whatever odd jobs he could. He was working on the waterfront uh, as a longshoreman. He got jobs as a bartender. He shoveled coal. He shoveled snow. Um, and, uh, you know, times were tough. And then he got this chance to fight Corn uh, Griffin, and he won. He knocked the guy out. He fought him on two days' notice. Corn uh, Griffin, like I said, it was on the undercard of uh, Max Bear versus Primo Carnera. And his manager is of uh, who you know they had been close from uh, from when he was first started out his boxing career. His manager's name was Joe Gould, and he came to him on the docks and said, "Look, I got this shot. You want to fight Corn Griffin?" Uh, you know, let's do this. Uh, two days notice, he fights him, knocks him out in the third round. And then, you know, opportunities, as you say, good fights make fights. Uh, or something like that. I can't remember the exact saying. But uh, fights make fights. Um, and uh, next fight he had is against John Henry Lewis, another uh, great um, light heavyweight who now moved up to heavyweight. He beats him. And then he fights Art Lasky, beats him. And, uh, you know, Art Lasky was another guy that they thought was going to be this big uh, heavyweight. And he just get a name on his record, beat Jimmy Braddock, and then fight Max Bear. Uh, Braddock had better ideas and defeated him. So he put this three-fight win streak together that really inspired everyone because here was this down-on-his-luck guy. That's where it really is the Cinderella thing, except the fairy godmother here, uh, this wasn't supernatural force. It was opportunity, um, and he absolutely took advantage of it, and that's a pretty incredible, uh, pretty awesome thing uh, where, uh, you know, 
so he he gets this fight with Max Bear, and Max Bear, of course, is a fearsome puncher. Uh, I think they kind of, from what I've heard, I've never seen the movie, as I said, uh, but they uh, kind of vilify Max Bear. Uh, they sort of make him into a killer because uh, I guess one guy did die in the ring, and then one guy I guess was maimed uh, uh, permanently. Uh, but um, of course, he challenges Max Bear. He's a five to one underdog, and he defeats him. Well, you know, just to take a, a, a backtrack for a second, um, you're, you're right. And that's when the career turned around. But when you go back, um, he was on the uprise through the late 20s and was, was a, 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 a top fighter. And then when you look and include and, and he, he uh, capped that by beating Pat Laszlo, which was a, a former world champion who had gained uh, a lot of weight and, uh, you know, was fighting as light heavyweight now in 1928 when he beat laszlo that's when people really started looking at james braddock but unfortunately for him and which eventually earned him that title shot you you mentioned against tommy lachlan and he also fought uh, maxi rosenblum but that's when that era from late 28 or even if you go from uh, 1929 all the way up until that next shot when you brought that uh when you brought up the fight those three fights that he won in a row to get him back in the mix. That's when you see all those losses when, you know, he was uh, struggling to, to eat and, and all that other stuff, you know. So that's where you can see the change, so to speak, uh, with this uh, with this guy's career. And then, of course, like you said, uh, the Corn Griffin, uh, John Henry Lewis and Art Lasky fights uh, got him the shot at Max Bear uh, for the uh, world uh, heavyweight title. Uh, in which he uh, won a 15-round unanimous decision, uh, which uh, started to set up some some funky stuff. Um, you know, he was supposed to fight uh, Max Schmeling uh, after that, and um, there's a lot of different controversy about why that fight didn't happen, Alex. And uh, give us some shed some light on that. Yeah, you know, I don't really have a, any definitive answer. I'm not sure anybody does. Uh, it seems uh, like it, it was um, politics uh, to some degree that influenced it. Uh, we, at the time, of course, Hitler had well, had come to power. It was 1936. Uh, Schmeling was, you know, a, a deserving contender. He had knocked out Joe Lewis. Um, so... You know the the title shot. He he deserved a title shot. Well, as had happened for much of his career, he was aligned because of his nationality was aligned with Nazi Germany. So uh, even though personally there was no connection, uh, I mean, other than you know, I didn't mean uh, he wasn't affiliated in any way with the Nazi Party. He was his own man. He just was German. Um, but uh, the um, in the country, in this country, of course, the idea that the heavyweight champion might become uh, a German guy, uh, and then the sort of uh, Hitler might hijack it and keep it in Germany and not let anybody fight for it. Uh, so that idea that eh, let's maybe not let this fight happen. Uh, there were itch issues with um, Braddock's hand in training, um, so that could have been a major factor. Uh, whatever, uh, it ends up getting canceled, and uh, he ends up fighting Joe Lewis instead at Comiskey Park, um, and uh, it, um, 
that went, as we know, uh, Joe Lewis won, wins the title. Uh, however, what, like I was saying, like we were alluding to before, uh, one of the reasons why he gets set up for life in terms of financial, talk about Cinderella, this is the glass slipper. Uh, part of the deal in getting the fight with Joe Lewis that Mike Jacobs, Lewis's promoter, makes uh, is that Jim Braddock will now get 10% of Lewis's uh, purses for the rest of his life, uh, his left, left, rest of his fighting life, um, which, I don't know, that's pretty rough, I think. Well, i tell you. Uh, you it's know, great for Jim Braddock. Great but. for Jim Braddock. But, but uh, you know, he, here's, here's the thing. You know, they, they want, Joe Lewis had been knocked out by uh, Max Schmeling, and they wanted a rematch with that fight. Um, but, you know, because of the tensions with the countries and, and what was going on in the world and stuff, you know, um, it, it was hard to make. The, the injury, the hand injury, and they were starting negotiations between uh, James Braddock and Max Schmeling. As a matter of fact, it was all but almost done to come and have that fight at Madison Square Garden. But then that injury that you mentioned to uh, uh, his hand, to James Braddock's hand, which many people believed was BS, that he really didn't hurt his hand. And then they started talking about the possible, hey, let's give Joe Lewis a shot. And to sweeten the pot, they said, we'll give you 10% of his earnings for the rest of his ring career, Joe Lewis's rest of his ring career, which um, you know was a great business move by James Braddock. Uh, he ended up fighting Joe Lewis, losing the title, which, ironically enough, set up the rematch with Max Schmeling, which Joe Lewis uh, obviously avenged and knocked out uh, Schmeling uh, uh, in a, uh, a, a great fight. But um, the thing I admire about uh, Braddock was that that was the end of his career. And one of the things I always admire, like I mentioned about Lennox Lewis earlier in the show, you know, he fought uh, Max Bear. Uh, Max Bear won the title, fought Joe Lewis, lost the title in 1937, fought one more time against Tommy Farr, won that fight, and then walked away from the sport of boxing and uh, never came back. Well, what did he do after boxing? Because he, he, he died at a young age, uh, uh, you know, but what, what did he do uh, after, uh, you know, his pro career was over? You know, I don't know uh, much about uh, his uh, post-fight career, um, but uh, he, at one point he did invest money in a taxi cab company that went under. Um, boxing career. Uh, however, one thing I did want to set, mention about that Lewis fight uh, was that was a, a really good fight. I mean, and and as when you th look at his record. Um, his he does really well against Hall of Famers. Um, Lewis is one that he was 0 and 1 against, of course, and was stopped. It was the only time he was knocked out in his whole career. He had been down uh, two other times, but uh, Lewis was the one who put him on the deck, and that was a thing that uh, he after the seventh round, I guess he went back to his corner. Uh, it had been a you know a really good thrilling fight. Uh, he had actually put Joe Lewis on the deck yeah. in the first round with an uppercut, uh, sneaky little uppercut, and uh, Lewis is put, you know, right on the seat of his pants, and um, in the uh, seventh, Lewis is battering him by this point, and uh, he goes back to, Braddock goes back to his corner, and um, 
uh, Joe Gould wanted to stop it, but uh, Braddock said, no, you know, you, you're going to count me out for me to be finished. And he did. Uh, that was the first time that uh, he was stopped and only time he was stopped. And so, like I was saying with Hall of Famers, you got Joe Lewis. He was 0-1. Max Baer, he was 1-0. Uh, John Henry Lewis, he was 1-1. Uh, he fought Maxie Rosenblum, who was 0-1 to him. And he fought Tommy Loughran, was 0-1 to him. Uh, or I think he avenged that, did he? Uh, maybe I was wrong with that. No, he, he was 0-1 to him. So that's his record with Hall of Famers, and that's that's pretty damn good. Yeah, and there's no doubt about that. Um, but uh, he uh, he did have, after his career, he did have, uh, I didn't know about the taxi care business, but I also believe that he was involved in uh, uh, a bar um, that he owned. And um, for all intent and purposes, uh, the uh the the notes that i have is that he did fairly well um in uh in business after uh boxing uh so i mean uh you know unfortunately he died at 69 years old but there is a scene and and you know in that movie that i i my favorite scene was uh had nothing to do with the fights or anything else but um, there was a scene when Braddock was demanding money from his manager and, and trainer or his manager. And, um, you know, his manager always uh, was portrayed and the actor that that uh, played his manager is one of my favorite actors. I, 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 uh, Gia, uh, Gia, what's his name? Uh, uh, Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. Right. And uh, he's uh, he's in there and he's always dressed with a nice suit. He's always driving in a nice car and he's always flashing money around. And, and you have this image that he's loaded, you know, and uh, that's what attracted James Braddock to him. And, you know, Braddock wanted some, his money and wanted his money and went to his and, and one of the things he said, you know, is, yeah, don't ever come to my house, blah, 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 blah. And he's living in this uh, big apartment in, in, in the city. And uh, Braddock just there was no way to, to, to prevent him. And he comes in and he basically bullies his way through the through the uh, security into the apartment and just basically opens up the door and he finds an empty apartment that his manager basically was living, acting like he had all this money and was all success. And all he had in that whole big apartment was a folding, two folding chairs and a card table that he and his wife just had to deal with, you know. And that's when Braddock realized that this guy's no different than me. We're both, you know, in the same fight, you know. And uh, to me, that was the the most uh, powerful uh, scene in that movie. And... Uh, it, it to me it it, it kind of takes and puts it all in perspective. This game of boxing is not what it's always appeared to be. You know, uh, there's a lot of times and and the fighters themselves, you know, put their heart and soul into things. And you know, we as fans are are always so critical. But the deep the deep stories, the inner stories, really a lot of times don't even come out. And that scene really was powerful to me. But uh, um, wow, that's great! Yeah, and I think the other one of the other aspects there is um, uh, that boxing is about lying. Um, boxing, uh, a fighter won't let you see how hurt he might be, uh, and that goes that there is that ex, ex, uh, that aspect of uh, showmanship and uh, sort of uh, holding up a persona. That's pretty wild. Yeah, I, I do want to check out the movie. I I do have the Blu-ray. I just never watched it. Well, I watched it on the Green Ray, and it was pretty good. So, uh, anyway, how did he? How did he? How did he make out in the title bout? 
entitled bro. Uh, oh, wait, wait. I want to see you. I want to see you do that. I want to see you do that with a mouthful of coffee. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, I thought I had a, a couple more seconds there. Um, in the title bout game, I put him in at light heavyweight because he did fight for the light heavyweight title against uh, Lochran. So I did put him in against Andre Ward. And uh, the first time they fought, uh, uh, Braddock wins a majority decision. Uh, the scores were uh, 114 all and then two scores of 115-113 for Braddock. Uh, when they fight a hundred times, um, Ward actually bests him. Uh, Braddock wins 31, uh, loses 63, and he has six draws. He scored eight knockouts. Of uh, his 63 victories, uh, Ward was able to score 11 knockouts. Um, which, you know, he, he, he only had one title shot in, at light heavyweight and he lost it. Um Okay, now against Anthony Joshua, the monster. Um, the first time they fight, Joshua wins. Unanimous decision. Um, he has Braddock down in the 10th and the 11th. The scores were 115-109, 116-109, 117-108. Uh, when they fight 100 times, however, Braddock does uh, best him. 51 victories, 48 defeats, one draw. Uh, Braddock stopped him 19 times. And in his 48 wins, Anthony Joshua scored 15 KOs. Uh, when he fights Deontay Wilder, the first time they fight, Braddock wins uh, by knockout in the 12th round at 2 minutes 54 seconds. Um, when they fight 100 times, Deontay Wilder gets the better of him. Uh, Braddock only wins 43 uh, and loses 54, and he has three draws. He scores 20 knockouts. Uh, of the 54 victories Wilder had, he scored 15 knockouts. And then against Luis Ortiz, the first time they fight, Braddock wins on cuts at 34 seconds of the ninth round was when the referee stopped it. When they fight 100 times, uh, Braddock does do, do slightly better. 44 victories, 42 defeats, 14 draws. And... Um, Braddock knocked him out 10 times. In the 42 victories, Ortiz was able to score, score nine knockouts. Where's your lawnmower guy today? Yeah, I don't know where they are. <laughs> well, they're throwing off the whole show, man. I was ready to mute it's them. But, uh, anyway, great job as usual, Alex. James Braddock, former world heavyweight uh, champion. He was also a former world light heavyweight title challenger. Um, he had a, a career record of uh, 46 wins, 26 coming by knockout, 24 losses in which he was only stopped two times, uh, one time by Lou Scoza in the early uh, part of his career, and uh, one time by uh, Joe Lewis in his uh, loss when he lost the title. He did fight in an era of, he had four draws as well, did fight in an era of newspaper decisions uh, where he fought uh, five, uh, had five wins, two losses, and three draws. He fought a total of uh, 87 fights, 30% knockout uh, ratio. Uh, he was uh, inducted into the Ring Magazine Hall of Fame in 1964. He was inducted into the New Jersey Boxing Hall of Fame in 1969. And he was inducted into the uh, 
International Boxing Hall of Fame in 2001. James Braddock, our blast from the past today. And as usual, Alex, great job. And uh, we'll look forward to you uh, next week. Or actually, I look forward to you later in the week because I want to get your thoughts on uh, uh, Pacquiao and where he goes. And uh, uh, there's not much other fights to talk about for this week. But uh, if you got some time, give us a shout later in the week. Will do. All right, my man. Hey, go work on that mustache. <laughs> okay, we'll do. <laughs> All right. Take it easy. That's my man, uh, Alex Papali, uh, giving us the blast from the past. Listen, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, uh, my man Sal Rocky Senecola will be back with us, and uh, we will uh, uh, read some emails. So we'll be back in two. Billy Z will be right back. Part of the Billy Z Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now. Or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And where? back you're listening and watching the billy c show glad you could be with us and don't forget if you're watching us uh, on a stream or even our experimental uh, facebook live version of the show don't forget the full-blown tv version same version that we send to the networks uh, is available up on our youtube channel just visit it youtube.com slash talking boxing that's t-a-l-k-i-n-b-o-x-i-n-g and uh, we just finished our blast from the past this week. Uh, we had uh, uh, James Braddock. If you have a fighter that you want to learn about, just drop me an email, Billy at Talkin' Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. Joining me again, my man, Sal Rocky Senecola. And Sal, we got uh, some emails to read. You ready? Yes, sir. Let's do it, bud. We got uh, the first one here is uh, from my man, Mike, from Michigan. He says, uh, okay, Billy C., uh, again, I'm back to, we're, again, we're back to another controversial decision that should have went the other way, in my personal opinion. In the past, I've mentioned less, subject, less subjectivity in scoring a fight. I've mentioned, which could even be more subjective, but the public would be happier, scoring based on what the viewing audience feels. The majority of the people I know and talk Boxing with every single person believe Manny won. I think that's got to count or at a certain point, boxing will get its butt handed to it by the UFC for good. What about instant replay? Baseball uses it. Why can't boxing? Professional boxing have universal rules. I have no idea what the correct solution is, but if an overwhelming majority of fans feel that one fighter beat the other, since they usually pay for it, should have some type of say. The damage that Mayweather versus Pacquiao did, I believe, shows in pay-per-view numbers and even in overall viewership in general. And I admire Teddy Atlas, at least for standing up for what he believes. And although he can be a little too dramatic at times, I believe he's the only person who shows passion and conviction when commentating. I felt better when he told Chris Algieri, I thought you lost to Provodnikov. And Jeff Horn, I thought you lost. It takes some metal to do that. And I fully agree with him when he said uh, exceeding expectations is not the same thing as winning. Any new th thoughts about less subjective subjectivity or more subjectivity? It's a hard thing to explain, Billy C. Um, 
What do you think, Sal? Why don't you give your thoughts well, it's first? A, it's a good email, and uh, I, I definitely see some of his points. Um, like I said, I think maybe maybe uh, as honest and as uh, forthcoming as Teddy Atlas is, uh, you know, I think uh, I think he he could have maybe toned it down just a little bit. Uh, uh, I I also think that uh, you know he, he made some good valid points. I I didn't see that fight being so one sided though. I really didn't, Bill. I, I told you I saw the fight. I watched it again once or twice, uh, two times more. And, you know, I, I scored it in increments each round in one-minute rounds in each sub-round. And um, I still had Manny Pacquiao winning by one point. But uh, it does not mean it was such a one-sided fight where it could not have gotten gone the other way, which it did, you know. Well, well I, you know, uh, Teddy is Teddy, and you know Teddy, Teddy thinks he's right. But as far as having the fans score the fight, that could never no, work, Mike. Never. And I'll tell you why. You know, never. when we watch fights on TV, and and Teddy Alice is a great example. You have a tendency; it's only human nature. It's there's no fault of anyone's, or or no problem with anyone watching and listening to the commentators. But it's human nature to be you know, uh, wrapped up into what they're saying and see what they're saying you're seeing. Um, a good rule of thumb is if you really want to watch a fight and have, uh, you know, a non-biased opinion and, and go with just your own opinion, watch the fight with no sound. Uh, we've done that many, many times, and it's, it's shocking to see for yourself of how you would score a fight when you're making the decision without being enticed by a commentator's uh, opinion. That's number one. Number two, the other issue that we have to keep in mind is that when you're judging a fight live, and I'm talking about the judges, they have the best seat in the house. Um, you know, they're sitting above, uh, they're elevated above the ring, so they're looking, nothing is obscure in their vision, uh, and they're watching the fight from three different viewpoints. Um, you know, one of the best things ESPN ever did in the past was when they sh put cameras on the judges and actually showed us a punch. And then the way the three judges saw that punch, how we saw it on TV and how they saw it from the angle they were sitting. And that truly explains why sometimes you see a judge's scorecard at a skew with the others. Fighters have a tendency to feel comfortable in certain parts of the ring, and if they're a ring general, they're keeping their fighters uh, in that part. I mean, is that something that you remember, Sal, that you felt comfortable in one specific part of the ring, or, or did you, you know, uh, try to control uh, your opponent and fight him wherever he was? Yeah, I, I pretty much fought him wherever he, wherever he was, but I did move him and, and uh, cut the ring off on him, and, and Certainly, um, uh, you know, part of my preparation for a fight was to be comfortable no matter where I was uh, and not favor one other thing or another um, and just feel acclimated to, you know, do what I have to do to bring out my best. So that, um, although I, I do see what you could uh, what you could hint to mean or whatever there, uh, that that had no bearing on my my standpoint as my position in fighting. I just felt comfortable no matter where I was in a sense to uh, to do the best I can in any corner, any middle of the ring, anywhere I could do. Well, and I could lot, do it. A lot of times I've seen fighters 
um, you know, try to bring their opponent to a certain part of the ring. You know, like today, yeah. um, you know, some of the things that, that have changed, I, I think, with uh, since you've uh, fought, um, you know, in, in your prime is there's a lot more um, commercials on the mat, it's, it seems. And, and sometimes those decals yes. can be slick. And you'll see fighters that will try to avoid that, especially since most of your punching power comes from, you know, the waist down, you know, in, from your legs and stuff. And, uh, you know, if you want to push off and, and really get into a punch, if you don't feel comfortable with your footing, you might find yourself trying to, you know, get off on your punches from certain points of the ring. Also, if you're an aggressive fighter similar to your style when you fought Sal, and you want to get your opponents uh, against the ropes or in the corners um, to uh, to work the body or what have you, you know, depending upon which spot you have as a judge, you not you may not be seeing these punches landing flushly, or they may be appearing to land flush when, if you were right up close and the action was happening in front of you, you might be noticing that uh, the guy that's uh, appearing to take the shots is actually avoiding. Uh, a lot of those punches or, or blocking them with his mitts. So uh, there's, uh, you know, uh, uh, judging is a lot. E it's, it's the same principle, Sal, when we say a Monday morning quarterback. It's a lot easier for us to be critical here when you're watching from your, uh, you know, living room on the couch having a couple of beers or whatever, and, uh, and, and you know, everything's an outrage, especially when you're hearing guys like Teddy Atlas screaming at you, telling you that, you know, these judges are corrupt and, uh, you know, he had it one-sided and all of a sudden you're like, yeah, 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 what he says. You know what I mean? Absolutely. No, you make, you make some good points. And, yes, I, reflecting back and reviewing your question, yeah, I definitely would love to have always cut the ring off, uh, cut, the, cut the guy into the corner and keep him in that corner, and you know, because that's where I did my best body work and uh, move side to side and uh, could do that with him on, on when he's on the ropes. What, well, you worked ropes. on cause? You were a body guy on cause? <laughs> oh, oh, you mean sure in the was. fights. Oh, okay. All right. All Absolutely. Right. No, but uh, what, what, what I'm saying is, you know, and if you have, let's say you uh, run that guy uh, into uh, a neutral corner and you find yourself in that same neutral corner, uh, you know, multiple rounds, the judge that's f further away is not getting a good view of, of whether you're landing punches or not, you know, and his, his scorecard might be the one that everyone says, wow, what the hell fight was he watching? Well, from his vantage point, <laughs> he didn't see any of the punches, right? I mean, that, well, I mean we do have to give point, him the benefit Bill. of the I doubt. Mean, it's subject to, to a lot of that. And, and what you just said makes a lot of sense of why some judges do have different scores than the other two. Uh, there's a vantage point, and there's a, a definitely a optimum point. But uh, you know, well, you made a, a good case of just saying, "Hey, guess what? If uh, Jeff Horns punches, uh, if Jeff Horns' back was to one of the judges when he had Manny on the ropes, the guy's not going to see uh, the shots land." as easily or as as, as uh, authoritative as maybe guys sitting right in front of it or on the side where he can look at it. So uh, that was a good point. And, you know, maybe that's why some of the judges do score differently. Yeah. And I think that if anybody remembers when ESPN, um, you know, when they had their regular Friday night series, uh, one point they were doing some uh, experiments. And uh, one of the experiments was sticking a camera uh, on the uh, on the like a helmet cam on the judges, 
and they actually took a punch, um, you know, and isolated it and said, okay, well, here's the punch uh, that we said landed, and here's the view from Judge 1, 2, and 3, and it looked like three different punches. It was one of the most effective things that they could educate the audience on and never went back to it. You know, I, I thought that, you know, it was, uh, it was a great idea on, on the, uh, you know, on the producers of ESPN, and they never went back to it. But, uh, hey, listen. You're right. Go ahead. No, go ahead. But I was going to say, maybe they should implement four judges. Well, you <laughs> know, on I, each side. I, think, I think that we are at a point in, in boxing where we need to make a change with our, with, with our judging criteria. There's yeah. been too much, you know, issues. And I, I think it could be remedied pretty simply if we require judges to go through some kind of, and, and referees as well, to go through some kind of, of intense training and they have to graduate with a certain degree before they're, they're licensed. Uh, now, judges, of course, have to have more experience uh, to become a, a professional judge than a trainer. A sure. trainer, all a trainer needs is, is the cost of a license, a seconds license, and poof, you're a I could be, I've never trained a fighter in my life, but if I paid it 25 or 50 bucks, that whatever commission is, I could be the chief second in in a fight tomorrow, you know, and that's Absolutely. not right. Absolutely, that's not. And right. you could be, a, and you could be a good proficient trainer if you stay in the Holiday Inn Express tonight. You know, if I stay at the Holiday Inn Express, I'll be a good, I'll be as, I'll be as instructional as Freddie Roach was on Saturday with Manny Pacquiao. That's for sure. But uh, oh boy, hey, listen, we have a, a couple other emails that I will not be able to get to today. Uh, I will read them tomorrow. So if you sent us an email and I did not read it. Uh, make sure you tune in uh, to tomorrow's show because I will read it. And don't forget, uh, if you do want to send us uh, your thoughts, uh, comments, concerns, or questions, uh, feel free to email me. If you take the time to email me, I'll take the time to read it on air. The email address is Billy at Talkin Boxing. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G uh, dot com. On this day, July 5th in boxing history, in 1975, Alfredo, Escalera knocks out Kanuki Shibata uh, in the second round to win the world, the WBC World Junior Lightweight title took place in Japan. On this day in 1986, uh, Eli Pacal knocks out Cesar Polanco in the third round uh, to uh, regain the IBF Junior Bantamweight title, and that took place in Indonesia. On this day in 1984, uh, Jiro Wantabi uh, wins a 12-round decision over Peyo Punarat, uh, to win the WBC Junior Bantamweight title, and that took place in Japan. Uh, on this day in uh, 1920, Benny Leonard knocks out Charlie White. There's a couple of easy names for me. Yeah, uh, right. Charlie White <laughs> in the ninth round uh, in their fight in Michigan. Uh, the fight was supposed to be for Leonard's uh, world lightweight title, but Benny Leonard came in overweight. He weighed in uh, 137 and a quarter. So uh, listen, boys and girls. They had a hard time making weight back in the day, too. And finally, on this day, July 5th, uh, Stanley Ketchell, uh, one of uh, boxing's greatest uh, all-time uh, fighters. This was a former world middleweight champion that we never got to see really fight. Despite him having as many fights as he did, this guy uh, was snuffed out by a bullet to his head uh, early in his life, uh, in his 20s. Uh, so uh, we never got to see how great Stanley Ketchell was. But on this day, July 5th in 1909, uh, Stanley Ketchell wins a 20-round decision over Billy Papke to retain his world middleweight title in Coloma, California. Three months later, 
Ketchel would challenge Jack Johnson uh, for the world heavyweight title. Uh, he was knocked out in the 10th round, and that fight took place on October 16th in 1909. Uh, that fight had some significance as well. As a matter of fact, um, Stanley Ketchel dropped uh, Jack Johnson in that fight, and uh, Jack Johnson got really pissed off and went after uh, Ketchel and destroyed him. As a matter of fact, uh, several of Stanley Ketchel's teeth uh, were embedded in uh, Jack Johnson's glove after that knockout. Wow. But, uh, wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, when you got a guy like Jack Johnson mad at you, Sal, uh, the repercussions were, were pretty bad. But uh, anyway, wow. hey, listen, uh, I hope everybody had a great 4th of July. And, uh, you know, we're back to our normal schedule. So uh, I'll make sure I, I, I tell you guys this. Make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, ciao, baby. Ha! <laughs>